But one thing that I have found when I find something that works, or I know that like if a, if consistency is applied to this particular strategy, it can work. Mm. I then just hire somebody and make it their full time job to be consistent. We define commodity content um, is is content that lacks any sort of purpose. There's not a there's not an underlying rallying cry uh, that kind of unifies the content that's being yeah. created to the mission of the brand that's creating it. Quality content still requires that consistency. At the end of the day, you do yeah. need to stay uh, top of mind on people, right? You need to. Yeah be the first one when they think about, you know, commodity content. Cool. James Carberry and Swift Fish yeah. Media. I want to talk to them. So how do yeah. people achieve that consistency? Because that is a huge friction point when it comes to execution. Yeah. We've got hey, I'm Luis. And I'm Luis. And you're listening to the Content is Profit podcast. Where we talk about entrepreneurship, mindset, and of course, how to turn your content into profit. That's right. So you can go to contentsprofit.com and join the community today. Oh yeah, go and do it. Go ahead and join us. Join the Content is Profit family. Yeah. Today we have a special guest and special topic. We're going to be talking all about driving revenue through b2b podcasting and thought leadership oh i know i you said it like that's the real thing that you want to talk about <laughs> maybe i want to talk about the first thing there, there's so many things i want to talk about with today's guest it's gonna be absolutely amazing uh it's all good guys if you're enjoying this show please go ahead and follow it in your favorite podcasting platform and go ahead and leave a tiny awesome review can be honest you know if there's feedback i stole fancy's line but you know if there's feedback constructive criticism that's totally okay too yeah we're finding out that people are liking the show yeah, that's good. Just, that's it, good. It doesn't have to be a tiny <laughs> feedback either. If it's a long feedback, it's all good. We, Give it. Fonzie yeah. reads them all. We just want honesty and transparency and you leaving a, an honest review. Appreciate that. That's Guys, right. And if today's guest help you move one step closer towards your goal, please don't forget to share this episode with three friends. That is your taking of admission. Thank you. That's right. We are back with another special guest. Someone that caught our, our attention through his insightful content on LinkedIn. A thought leader when it comes to B2B podcasting. That is right. He's a founder of Sweet Fish Media, a podcast agency for B2B brands, the author of content-based networking, and has probably helped produce hundreds, if not thousands of podcasts. <laughs> not just that. He's on a mission to eradicate commodity content. And let me tell you, he's ready to go to war. If you have been struggling to create quality content that differentiates you from the competition, this is your guy. I'm going to call you out in here. You you, you you lack a little bit of the oomph in there. It's like he's on a mission to eradicate commodity content. Say it again. Hashtag. Say it again. Bye-bye commodity content. The hashtag bye-bye commodity content is not on my cheat sheet. He's Fonzie. ready to go to war. <laughs> he is ready, guys. And you might be asking yourself, is this even real life? Well, let me tell you. Yes, it is. <laughs> Please welcome the founder of Swiftfish Media, the quality content crusader and... <laughs> The flip flop lifestyle leader, James Carberry. <laughs> Y'all are awesome. That was that was the greatest intro ever. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, James. Thank you for being here. You know, we're very excited, and you came all refreshed from your sabbatical month. This is absolutely amazing. We we I feel like. You went on that trip to recharge batteries for this episode just today. That's I'm it. Saying, yeah. yeah, yeah. You can go back to your sabbatical after this live stream. <laughs> right, right. I came back just for this. James, super excited to connect, man. Uh, when Fonsi told me, like, look, 
dude, I've been like digging into LinkedIn content and all this stuff. And there's this one guy. And then after this one guy, there's other people from his company looks like, and now I'm inundated with their amazing content 24 seven. And I'm like, I need to go check it out. And then uh, that was probably the, the worst mistake because uh, for uh, like the next month, oh, the best mistake. <laughs> yeah. The best mistake actually. Yeah. That's from that. The best is because after for the next month, like it was incredible. And it was such an amazing experience too, because I'm like, Oh, this is like the thing that we've been talking about for like two years. And, uh, you guys execute incredibly and we're going to get into, into that in a little mm -hmm. bit, but I, I just wanted to share like my experience as a consumer of your content has been like super positive and I feel everybody Thank needs to go much, learn from you guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that means a lot. Yeah, and we'll definitely dive into that. But before, for those that don't know who James is, right? Can you share a little bit about your story, a little bit of your background, and how do you get into B2B podcasting? Yeah, so I, I wanna I was a part of a sweepstakes um, back in 2008. I so my roommate's brother-in-law won a sweepstakes through an old phone company, Altel. And uh, and so it was me and nine friends. Uh, and we got to take a private jet to New York City and tour New York City and go to a Giants Cowboys game with Barry Sanders. And it was like this, you know, incredible experience. Yeah. And there was a guy on that trip that I connected with. He was just kind of like running. He was the point man for all of the logistics. And I just assumed he worked for the phone company for Altel. Like I didn't really think anything of it. But over the course of the day, I realized yeah. that he owned his own company. He owned a logistics company based in Orlando, Florida. And, uh, and he was there on site because he just wanted to make sure that a bunch of 24 year old kids weren't going to wreck the jet that he had chartered <laughs> or the, the charter bus that he had, uh, or the limo <laughs> charter bus thing that he had rented. Yeah. And so, uh, so he was there on site, plus he just loves New York city. So he wanted to be on that trip. So we hit it off, stayed connected after that event. Um, and, uh, and then he eventually asked me to move to Orlando to run the helicopter division of his logistics company. So for three years, I did helicopter logistics for NASCAR. All of our clients were like Jeff Gordon and mm, wow. um, a bunch of race team owners. And so that was really my first exposure to entrepreneurship was getting to work for him. I was working in an oil and gas company before that. And previous to that, an insurance company kind of just like you know, big companies in the city that I grew up in um, right after I graduated college, I didn't really have any entrepreneurial influence in my life at the time. And so mm. didn't really think that that was uh, a possibility for me. Didn't even yeah. consider it really until I moved to Orlando and started working for an entrepreneur. And so did that for about three years and uh, uh, started a tech company right after that um, mm. that went nowhere. I didn't raise any money. It was a B2C <laughs> product. I, 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 you know, you don't know what you don't know. And it failed miserably, um, but it got me into marketing and it got yeah. me trying to figure out, okay, how do I market this product? And so through that, uh, learned about content marketing, this thing called content marketing, fell in love with it um, and uh, started doing it for, I, I did it for another tech company uh, for a little bit. It was kind of part of, of my job. Um, and uh, that tech company that I was working for, you know, it, they they ran out of funding it didn't didn't work out so they had to let me go and i found myself with this choice like i really liked starting that software company it obviously yeah. wasn't successful but i i want to do something entrepreneurially mm. um do i go and get another job or do i take a risk and, and start something uh, i had just got engaged like the month before so it was um i was very uh very fortunate to have uh a fiance that was super supportive and yeah. And was like, hey, like I know that you're gonna have to eat dirt for a while, um, but I I work, and she's uh, my my wife is 
an incredible human. She's a dolphin trainer at Disney world. And <laughs> wow. Um, and so, so she was like, Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll obviously be working. And so while you're grinding, trying to get the business up, you know, we'll be fine. So she was super supportive. And, uh, and that was, that was really the path into starting Sweetfish. I had tasted content marketing and was like, man, yeah. I think we could do this for companies. So we started Sweetfish as a blog writing agency in 2015. Uh, and then in 2016 realized that podcasts were an incredible tool to build relationships with people. So as mm -hmm. we were trying to do our own business development, um, uh, realized that, man, this podcasting medium, like you can ask anybody to be a guest on your show and it's an instant way to build rapport, just like <laughs> what you guys have done with me. Um, now we're, we have a relationship, like yeah. we're going to be connected long after this. Yeah. We're besties we're now. We're besties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. So, uh, so, so realized that and then pivoted the agency in 2016, seeing that there was really nobody serving B2B companies with podcasting services. And so we started a B2B podcasting agency. I mean, kept, kept the name. So, but yeah. really a very different business. Yeah. Um, and we already had the content writing kind of engine going so we could produce these podcasts and then turn it into written content and other types of content after the mm -hmm. fact. So, um, that's, uh, that's, that, that's taken us through until about six or seven months ago is when we really started to wage the war on commodity content. Um, we use podcasts really for relation. They were a relationship building mechanism. And that was the primary thing that we focused on yeah. about six to eight months ago. I really started realizing that, you know, the kind of content that we were, that we were churning out was commodity content. It was very templated content that, uh, you could replace, uh, you could replace any name on the content and, uh, and anybody could have written it. Um, yeah. and, and so we really started to figure out how do we break down our systems? How do we rebuild processes um, that allow us to uh, yeah. to serve at a to to really be a creative and strategic ally to our customers as opposed to you know just a you know post post production you know podcast editing shop. And so that's the journey we're on now. We're still trying to make that trying to make that turn um to up level how we can partner with clients but we're working with about 100 companies right now wow. and uh yeah it's it's been an exciting journey that's, Dude, that's love so cool. it. yeah um lots of similarities by the way shout out to my wife because she was like also for like <laughs> the few years like uh she's like i understand you have to eat dirt i was the only one eating dirt she was fine you know but <laughs> you know not honestly like uh shout out for for those people and supportive to yeah. entrepreneurs because shout out to my future wife <laughs> <laughs> um because without them like stuff like this doesn't happen same thing with with our company right so yeah. like super exciting by the way whenever we go to orlando we have to go eat arepas together that's a tradition so yes. i don't know if you've been to an arepa place but yes. it's delicious let's do it <laughs> so awesome. um, wait, wait, I, wa I want to touch on a few points hold here. On, before you choke the mic can i get in a question <laughs> well, right, yeah sounds okay good. Sounds good. that's what happens james Fonzie starts talking and then that's it luisa goes out the window um I'm obviously huge shout out of what you guys have been doing. I have a very like two very specific questions and then Fonzie will like take over. <laughs> but yeah. it's when commodity content, uh first like can we define community content? Because uh when when maybe like this is this is a very familiar topic to us that we're like in it, but for a yeah. lot of people they see content as just content, right? There's 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 yeah. like content and then you're like, okay, which part? And they're like Oh, was it parts of content, <laughs> right? So that, I think yeah. that that's one. And then after that, when do you decide or what was the thing that ignited your fire against commodity content? Like, was it like a, yeah. a, an individual experience or like, how was it? Yeah. So to answer your first question, you know, we define commodity content 
um, is is content that lacks any sort of purpose. There's not a there's not an underlying rallying cry uh, that kind of unifies the content that's being yeah. created to the mission of the brand that's creating it. And so it, it just kind of feels soulless, yeah. um, and it ends up looking like content that any of your competitors could create. And so that's that's how we have started to define what commodity content is. I would say the fire that got lit under me, there's a guy in the B2B podcasting space, his name's Jay Akunzo. And I, I've been listening to his podcast, Unthinkable, for a while. And he just really, I mean, is so passionate about the craft of creating content that resonates with people. Mm -hmm. And this idea that if we want, you know, so many marketers are trying everything that they possibly can try to create more awareness for their brand, for their company. But in in trying to create more awareness, um, they they aren't doing something very critical, which is trying to actually create affinity. Mm. How do we create something that the person on the other side of this content actually likes so much that they want to tell other people about it? and they can't wait to tune back in. Yeah. And as I'm experiencing Jay's podcast and realizing every single time he has an episode drop, I can't wait to listen to it. Like I'll see that his episode went live and I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get in the car to go to lunch so that I can listen to this episode. Yeah. And it just made me realize like, man, that's the kind of content I want our shop to be producing for our customers. You know, we, we produced okay. lots and lots of results for customers on the content-based networking side. And it really started to click for me that, we can still do content-based networking. We can still use shows for our clients to be able to connect with the exact people that they want to connect with by asking them to be a guest on the show. But if we produced the show a little bit differently, maybe did some did some pre-planning ahead of time, planned out what the seasons looked like, looked at what like what could an episode arc be, man, what could we do with the episode structure similar to what you guys you guys very clearly have a an intro structure then you go into the interview like what's the episode structure yeah. look like for the shows we produce what's the premise of the show like what's the hook why is somebody going to listen to this show as opposed to all of the other shows that interview marketing leaders you guys have honed in on the you know specifically content is profit so you're speaking to the entrepreneurial angle of it so just having having those things fleshed out it was never something that i considered before so um thinking through that and going, yeah. okay, what is it that really makes someone's show their favorite show? Yeah. And the more I dissected that and, 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 and started asking myself those questions, the more I realized that, you know, we, we just had to recreate uh, a lot of internal systems and processes that we're still in the midst of doing right now. Yeah. But I'm so excited for, for what the finish line is going to look like, because when, when we get done reconstructing, uh, the, the shop, so to speak, um, I I'm convinced that the work that we're going to be putting through the engine, uh, is, is going to come out on the other end of it being, being our customers target markets, favorite show. Uh, awesome. and I think that that's, that's, that's just incredibly exciting. Like yeah. putting stuff into the world that people can't wait to listen to, um, as opposed to just adding more noise. And, and this is no yeah. knock on our team whatsoever. I mean, our team does an incredible job. We've got incredible writers, we've got yeah. incredible producers, but our systems were limiting their own creativity. Yeah. So the systems that we had put in place that have been in place for years that allowed our customers to do content-based networking really well were not the same systems that are gonna allow our creatives in-house to really truly be creatives and let their creative 
uh, skill shine, shine for our customers. Yeah. And so I'm excited to, to be in the season of business that we're in now because um, it's it's uh, it's going to produce better work for our customers. I think our team is going to be a lot cool. more fulfilled doing this type of work. Mm-hmm. And for the market at large, I mean, we're, we're going to start putting shows into the market that that people can't wait to listen to the next episode of. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. I think it's a win-win for everybody. Those customers are going to start talking about you guys. You guys are going to get more clients <laughs> and it's going to be absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, something that really resonates with, you know, hashtag bye-bye commodity content for me <laughs> is the positioning part of it, right? When I saw it, the first time I read one of your posts and I saw the hashtag at the bottom, I was like, this is genius, right? Because a lot of people... I'm not gonna lie. I've heard a lot of people talk about it's too noisy out there. You gotta create quality content, but yeah. you just branded the whole movement and you said yeah. this is ours, right? This is Sweetfish yeah. Media mission to yeah. eliminate commodity content, and that's very powerful, right? Because again, yeah. it is something that other people have heard, yet you by claiming that now every time people hear about oh content is noisy, yeah, commodity content, right? Who's who they're gonna attribute that to? to you James yeah. and I think that's very powerful yeah. it's a strong lesson for the person that is listening right now which is don't be afraid to put names on frameworks on things that are happening because those things are going to help with your positioning when you are you know going out into market and at the same time I think that kind of like goes hand in hand with the thought leadership that you guys talk a lot about right because yeah. now by you claiming this and positioning yourself yeah people are attributing all that stuff to you, which makes you the thought leader. So I think it's, yeah. it is genius what you guys are doing here. Such a good move. Yeah, it's, I, a, it's a great move. Yeah, it's good Good on you guys for, for identifying that. That was a very strategic choice. It was, uh, we, we've been trying to figure out what is our brand's enemy for yeah. probably, probably the better part of six months, if wow. I'm being completely honest. We, we, we went through, I mean, it was, it was a grueling exercise, but you just, you saw all these other brands. I mean, you saw Drift attack, uh, attack forms back in the day, you know, SAS, uh, or, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the, the creators of the SAS category Salesforce, yeah. they were on oh, a yeah. lot of assault, assault against, you know, on-premise development. And, and so, um, and so the, you, you see these big brands, yeah. Uh, like gong for example like their enemy is opinions mm-hmm. uh, and so they they want to say goodbye to opinions and hello to reality and so these these masterful brand builders we can we see it all happening but when you start to piece together why are these the brands on the tip of everyone's tongue oh man they all have an enemy that we can all relate to we can all rally behind and we all want to fight the common enemy and so I think with content-based networking, the first framework that we kind of developed and named, it was it was a it was a framework and it was a it was a way to do podcasting. It never, I mean, I even wrote a book about it, and it and I don't feel like it picked up nearly the amount of traction as naming the enemy, naming commodity yeah. content did within just even a few days. I mean, I saw people talking about it on LinkedIn instantly, um, mm-hmm. and that rarely happens. You know, we've been talking about content-based networking for years, and and people don't talk about it the same way that they talk about commodity content. So I think if you're a if you're a creator out there, if you're if you're an entrepreneur that's getting started, figuring out like what is the underlying thing that's like a problem for your market that is just under the surface. Everybody knows it's there. If you can identify it, name it, claim it. Exactly what you just said. I mean the the 
you're going to reap the benefits of of the awareness and the the affinity honestly that comes with that because you've now named and claimed something that is a huge problem for someone now they have a way to name it and like and they can they can join forces with other people to attack it and figure out how to eliminate it yeah yeah i, th I think we got a new shirt coming on <laughs> the new shirt is gonna say identify it name it and claim it oh that's yes. good <laughs> uh yeah the the swag, the swag shop's coming uh james bef before you guys made the decision uh the uh the the you probably not you but your team had second guesses be like ah like we're making this commitment right to to like this is our yeah. enemy because uh, we've had that conversation for us maybe like for the show or even for the business right that the the content production side that we do on our side is mainly on the video uh multi-purposing yeah. aspects but it, but it touches a lot of the same elements right but yeah. and it's been a hard conversation to have because even before content is profit even before the content production side of things when we had the social media marketing agency a few years ago we were like struggling to figure out what is the thing, what is the niche, what is like, and we decided to niche down on the process, right? Like, uh, mm. you know, probably whenever you guys decided on the on your processes that you're evolving now, that was our phase yeah. back then as well. So I need there was internally, I'm not gonna lie, for me, there was a big conflict. We're like, oh, like we're making this decision. This is we're going to war for this, or like this is the thing that we're gonna be doing for the yeah. next few years. For people that might be on that stage now. Like what, what is your advice or if you want to share your experience when yeah. you break, when you broke it down to your team? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a lot of internal conversations, but then because we're, we're, there's multiple people on the team that are, that, that have put a lot of time and energy into, into LinkedIn and, and building an audience on LinkedIn. Um, we were able to pressure test some things so mm -hmm. we can talk about ideas, yeah. uh, on LinkedIn without necessarily going full on, you know, committing to it without putting it on our website, without, you know, building entire campaigns around it, we can just kind of pressure test it a little bit. And so I posted about it and it got really, really great, strong responses. Some other people started to post about it on our team, really strong responses. We decided to build a campaign around it. Um, and, uh, and, and then I started seeing other people outside of our company talking about it, which really was kind of the litmus test for me mm -hmm. on, you know, is, is this the right enemy? And I think it is because it resonated so much that now other people are talking about it. And some of them, you know, some of them credit us and it doesn't matter if they credit us or not. The fact yeah. that we, we, uh, we identified something that's a big enough pain that people want to talk about. And then we just started looking around at like, who is talking about this problem? Mm -hmm. And we're, you know, copying and pasting a bunch of links to those posts in, in kind of a master doc, because, you know, it just affirms that we really did press into a problem that a lot of people are talking about. We just happened to name it. Yeah. Um, but I, I didn't, I didn't have that fear because I knew that like, if this flopped, if like commodity content didn't go anywhere, okay, like on to the next post the yeah. next day. Love um, it. And it wasn't really that, you know, wouldn't have been really that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, it's still not on our website. It's it's about to be um, as we roll out a, a, a refresh of our website nice. copy and, and our, our new website. But um, but yeah, so I, I think a lot more micro testing and less like Ooh. being in your head worrying about like, oh, we got to commit to this for the next two years. Like that's not really how I thought about it. Yep. Yeah, it, it It doesn't really stick just because you say it a lot. It, it, uh, yeah. A lot of times it needs to actually be something that resonates with people. But that being said, there's an important part. So we, be, 
after identifying it, naming it, and claiming it, there is an important element of being consistent with it. Once it resonates with people, consistency is key. Because let's say you name it, but then you never talk about it again. Somebody else can can come and just claim that on your name. So, and I know you guys are pretty big on consistency. I'm telling you, uh, when I went on LinkedIn, I started following you and then I started, actually, I think I first found out about Dan, Dan Sanchez. And yeah. I started reading his content and then I saw you were commenting on his stuff. And I was like, wow, that's funny. They got the same kind of like, uh, you know, ring around their profile picture. Yeah. I was like, let me check out who he is. I was like, oh, he's the founder of the company. I saw your post and then more people yeah. of your company engaging. I was like, wow, these guys are onto something. And you yeah. talk a lot about consistency. So mm-hmm. why don't we share a little bit about that? Because yes, there is a lot of noise and sometimes there's a lot of consistent noise out there. But quality content still requires that consistency. At the end of the day, you do yeah. need to stay uh, top of mind on people, right? You need to yeah. be the first one when they think about, you know, commodity content. Cool. James Carberry and Swift Fish yeah. Media. I want to talk to them. So how do yeah. people achieve that consistency? Because that is a huge friction point when it comes to execution. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I'm I'm probably not the best person to answer this question. As, a, as an entrepreneur... Um, now serial entrepreneur, starting other projects. I I thrive in kind of the zero to one, mm. uh, getting something off the ground, something that doesn't exist. I, I, I get it to exist. And with Sweetfish, I'm, I'm fortunate to be in a position where it's like, okay, now it's existed for a while. Um, how can we, how can we level this up? And I'm, I'm yeah. fumbling my way through that. I screw up way more than I, <laughs> than I get things right. But, um, so I, I, in a lot of it, I, I think a lot of the things that I mess up are as a result of just, I don't have, like, I, I'm not super consistent. I'm finally trying to get consistent with my eating habits. I've struggled being consistent with, you know, exercise routine my entire life. Um, so I, I would not say that I am like the poster child of consistency, but one thing that I have found when I find something that works, or I know that like if a, if consistency is applied to this particular strategy, it can work. Mm. I then just hire somebody and make it their full time job to be consistent. Mm. So B two B growth was working because we were interviewing you know VPs of marketing at B two B tech companies, and I knew that I didn't want to keep doing those interviews. So we started hiring people to do those interviews. And so now we have a full-time person on our team. All they do is B2B growth. I knew that when you had somebody on a show and you wanted to deepen a relationship with them, you could ask them to be a part of a monthly call where it was just them and five or six of their peers on a Zoom call talking shop and talking about what they're seeing and how they're growing and challenges they're facing at their company. But VPs of marketing want to hang out with other VPs of marketing. VPs of finance probably want to hang out with other VPs of finance. So regardless of what your business is. So yeah. I figured this out, started started it. I got a, I got the first few groups up and going, you know, meeting every month. And, uh, and, and then I hired somebody to take and run with that. Now, that's it's it's still we're still in the process of trying to figure it out and iron out kinks but like so that's where i found that like i i have to know my strengths and i have to know my weaknesses and and consistency because consistency is not a strength for me i even struggle with linkedin content like (laughs) i'll go really you know i'll I'll be really consistent for a month and then i won't post post for another two months (laughs) but we've now baked it in as a part of our culture and a part of what our team does. Yeah. So now we've got multiple people posting. Yeah. Um, and, and so you seeing Dan's content, like 
I obviously didn't didn't do that. Yeah. But Dan is out there talking all the time. It's and it's part of his job to to do that. He he loves doing that. And and so um so that's that's as an entrepreneur what I've done. I I I recognize things that can potentially work, validate if they do work, and if they do, I just hire someone to continue execution. Yeah, Dude, this uh, is uh, what we call golden boulder. Yeah, Let on. it sound right there. <laughs> golden yes. boulder time. Um, golden boulder. What, one second, before you share something, I'm not gonna <laughs> ask anything. Just a, a quick touch on here. Dude, I, this just resonates so much with us. And I think this is probably one of the most valuable lessons I'm gonna take from today's conversation. All of it has been golden, but this specific part, because I feel we have that same, you know, personality type where we're like oh yeah let's yeah. start this and we love to see it and we love the zero to one on that very specific thing but then we're like okay cool let's move on <laughs> let, let, let's try the other thing even yeah, even though yeah. that that there, might have other problems to solve exactly there's other problems to solve that pop out and then we move on to the next thing and then we see ourselves having to come back to certain elements right inside of the business to take care of them again when yeah. in reality is okay we can probably leverage somebody else's capacity and ability and skills to do that on a consistent basis. And you yeah. said you hire somebody to be consistent. And for me, yep. that was rather the golden boulder in terms of, huh, that's it. Like you come up with the things yeah. you, you, you do the creation side of things. Then like you said, you validate it and then cool. Let me put the right person in the right seat. Yep. Right. And, um, I don't remember the name of the author, but there's a book called good to great where he talks about that. You need to put the right people in the right seat. And yeah. I do have a follow-up question with that, but I told my brother I wasn't going to ask <laughs> no, a question. The, so. the, the, <laughs> it's like, no more. That's it. No more Fonzie for the rest of the show. No. Um, I just want to like second that because uh, lately we've been talking a lot about finding your own how, right? And that mm -hmm. doesn't have to be you doing the thing, right? Like we talk a lot about frameworks and things. Um, our yeah. story was how do we actually start publishing consistently? For us, it meant that we were going to, challenge yourselves to go live for 45 days did, did we finish those 45 days absolutely not the first like we finished the day 15 right and they're like okay well you know we landed a client out of that and then we're like let's yeah. do it again did we crush it i did Fonzie didn't <laughs> wow. uh, I, I, um you know but but that's the thing right and that was our how then and then what happens is like hey can we apply the lessons there into the podcast for example right so we decided to do three times a week live because that was the way that we were going to execute and finding our our, mm -hmm. our own how and then the production obviously it's outsourced to to the team because yeah. at first it was us yeah. but finding that initial how on 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 ourselves and then identifying those elements i think you're the first person that puts it so clearly for people also because sometimes we feel like we need to do everything and we don't yeah. have to right like find those things yeah. it's okay to lean into the things that you really like to do and i personally had that conflict for a long time be like no, like if I if I want to run the business, I have to do the things. I have to do these things, and and that was a big hurdle for me in my in my personal journey. And uh, I'm glad that I finally understood. And some you know sometimes even with new projects, is is hard to let go, right? So, thank you for putting that out and identifying it so early and uh, making sure. I love the hiring somebody to be consistent. That's yeah, <laughs> and, and and I'll share I'll share too. I I kind of had a I I had an unfair advantage in that I started a podcast production agency because I was really passionate about relationship building, not because I was really passionate about the medium of podcasting. And so 
I was never romantic about the art of like putting together a great episode and editing it and like telling a beautiful story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome that there are people <laughs> out there that are passionate about that. We we try to hire all of them that we possibly can. <laughs> that is that's not my skill set. Yeah. Um, it's becoming more of my passion because because it's I can see the tangible impact of how it helps brands tell tell better stories, engage their customers better, get better results. But because I didn't have that passion, it was very easy from the get to me to outsource a lot of that stuff. So I say that to say, like, for those listening and you love the craft of what you're doing, yeah. I get it. Like, but but if you 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 have to at some point make a decision. Do I want to build a business or do I want to do the craft? Yeah. And there's no judgment whatsoever. I think in entrepreneur land, we we can we can trick ourselves into thinking that like we're not winning if we don't build the business. Mm. But like if you love the craft, love the craft, like do the craft. Uh, my my buddy is a children's book author, and he struggles struggled for a long time with getting out of the business because he loves the craft of illustrating a kid's book and telling a telling a story inside the confines of a kid's book. Um, and eventually, like through the process of building his business and loving the craft, realized he actually loved building the business more. And so yeah. uh, he now does very select parts of the process when they make kids books for for different companies. And, uh, and, and he loves it. He's he's tapping into like, the exact thing that gives him energy gives him life. And he's built a team to to do the other things. Yeah. The other thing that I'll say that that I think um, a lot of entrepreneurs aren't necessarily willing to do, uh, if if you're not willing to uh, invest back in the business, I mean, I for years a lot of, like if you if if I were to have a, a a MBA student look at our business, they would go, "What like this business doesn't make any money? Why are you doing mm. it?" <laughs> but for me, like constant growth and learning is so like baked yes. into my DNA that I just loved pouring the profit of the business back into like, okay, let's hire a person to do this and let's hire a person to do this and let's try yeah. to do this. And, and I need to build an executive team around me. And so early on, probably long before we could have really afford to do it, I, I started hiring people at much senior levels, um, to to speak into the decisions mm. that we were making in terms of the direction that the company was going and i can tell you that w we would not be growing nearly as fast as we're growing right now apart from those investments um and and so my willingness to do that uh is also kind of an unfair advantage because i'm in a situation i'm super fortunate you know my like i said my wife works um and and we've we we're in a situation where i could pay myself very little for a long amount of time yeah. um, to get kind of the airplane off of the off of the wheels. And so we're, we're seven years old this year. And and last wow. year, honestly, I mean, last year was the first year where we where we had a significant profit. I, I've now reinvested that into other things outside <laughs> the business. Um, yeah. But that's just kind of going to be the story of my life. Like, yeah. I, I don't I don't I don't get a lot of joy or fulfillment out of buying Lamborghinis or, or doing a lot of things that a lot of entrepreneurs want to do. Um, I just love the game of, yeah. of continuing to grow and like learn different things and, and execute on try to execute Good. on different things. So um, anyway, all that to say, like, I, I've just got a lot of um, uh, I've got a lot of understanding for folks that struggle with this because you either love the craft or you're just not in a position financially to yeah. be able to invest 
in hiring those roles. And that's okay too. It's just going to take a little bit longer. Absolutely. Dude. And I can, I can tell how passionate you're about this. I can, you're, I can feel the fire coming out of you when you speak about this stuff and, you know, <laughs> delegating and elevating. And yeah. we often say here, your business grows to the extent that you do. And you yeah. just shared one of the best stories right now about that, right? Yeah. You yeah. reinvest everything into your business, into growing personally, into, you know, pouring into the people that work with you to help them grow as well. Mm. I'm guessing you also did an investment in LaCroix because, I mean, that's all you've been drinking <laughs> today. <laughs> it used to be Coke Zero, but I'm trying uh, I'm trying to curb the, the Coke habit. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, I saw a video the other day. It's like, hey, I, I it was a, I think it was a TikTok. It's like, I went to the LaCroix uh, uh, factory and this is what I saw. And this is this guy with oh. a glass of water, like just rubbing an apple next to it. <laughs> or then like dropping some things and like mixing like two drops in the thing. And I I thought it was hilarious. By the way, I love LaCroix too, but yeah. like I could have a truckload like tastes, deliver it. It tastes like an <laughs> apple sneezed into it. Exactly. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, not gonna lie, I haven't been able to get into it. Oh, it has it. has very little flavor for me. So I'll yeah. just take regular water. Yeah. Uh but to not deviate from the, yeah, no, the main topic. Right? <laughs> I, th this is a, a, a very important thing is that business or the craft, and as you were talking about it i'm literally looking at my last three months right kind of like taking on some responsibilities inside of our business and I, this is just this is clarifying even more for me that i love the business side of things like building the business instead of having a craft because there's some days that i'm doing this thing and i'm like how do i wish we have somebody in the business doing this right now so <laughs> probably that's what we're gonna go do after this conversation is go out there find the right person and put it in place. And with that, I want to ask you, how do you find those right people to put in the right yeah. seat? Because again, it's very important for that person that might be telling themselves, I'm tired of doing the craft. I know how important it is. And I want to find the right person to fulfill that so I can turn my attention yeah. into, you know, other revenue generating activities inside of my business. Yeah. So, um, there's, there's been several things that we've done. I mean, LinkedIn, um, LinkedIn and Indeed uh, attract a lot of candidates trying to figure out how to do how to do a better job of um, really getting more creative with how we search for for, for talent. Are there mm. diverse job boards that we can be looking at, niche communities, specialized organizations, especially in the podcasting space. We're trying to hire people that are passionate about the medium and storytelling. And so we're you know there's lots of communities that are about those things. And so yeah. trying to figure out how do we how do we of more formally engage those communities uh, and organizations to to be able to partner with them to to recruit for our open positions out of there. Um, and then a, a lot of it has been my personal network. So having, I think before, I think I did close to a thousand episodes of BB Growth before, uh, before we uh, handed that over to wow. someone else. And so our VP of revenue right now was a, was a guest on B2B growth years ago. Um, our VP of innovation right now, I met through B2B growth. He was a listener of B2B growth. We connected um, yeah. and he's been, you know, within the first six months of Logan joining the team, he tripled the, the revenue of the company. Wow. And, and so it's, it's relation, you know, so, so I, because I'm a very relational person, um, I've, I've got a lot of relationships that have been very advantageous. Yeah. Um, because I have a business that can support them coming on board um, and letting them fly and, and really kind of do their thing. So 
you know, content-based networking is a, a huge piece of it. Like when you, you know, you're looking for a type of person, like reach out to them to get them on yeah. content as profit. Yeah. Um, but there's also a lot of, uh, there's a lot of great people looking. So uh, it's a combination of, you know, doing sites like LinkedIn and Indeed, proactively going to communities, specialized organizations, associations, that kind of stuff, recruiting from there, figuring out how could we, how could we partner together? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, I, I wish there was a silver bullet, but no, no, uh, but this stuff is. I, yeah. I, and we, I mean, my brother mentioned here, mm. sorry, here choking the mic. But, <laughs> I told you, know, you I didn't I? Okay. Yep. That's the next shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <the mic. laughs> my, my brother did mention the, you know, everybody has their own how, and that's kind of like what we're trying to get yeah. here, right? We, we already went through the stage of believing there is one fits all solution, you know, that yeah. silver bullet, um, that we looked for it everywhere. We didn't find it. And we had to make peace with ourselves that we need to put in the work and we need to find what works best for us. So I love the fact that you, you're, honest and transparent like hey sometimes we're looking for a very specific type of person and we just bring a lot of those to the podcast and that's a filter yeah. right? i think it's very very impressive quick question yeah. is does b2b growth do you guys do that on a daily basis or how yeah. what's the frequency it's a five yeah it's a five day a week show mm. um and so it's uh, benji block is our current uh full-time host for that show and it's it's his full-time gig nice um and so Uh, again, hiring, hiring for consistency. Yeah. Um, it's, it's been in several different people's hands over the, over the years, but Benji's doing a great job with it now. Yeah. It, awesome. it reminds me of, uh, talk shows. I'm obsessed with like, uh, legit, like TV talk shows, like their structure and what the segments and yeah. what they do. And eventually we'll have a business talk show at some point and like live with those type of deal. But I, I, I grab a lot of inspiration from those things and we come up with ideas like, Oh, they'll be cool. Like whenever we have like this segment X, Y, Z, right. But And, uh, and I feel like, you know, with B2B growth, you know, you have like this, like periods of hosts that it's okay. You know, the yeah. brand is there, the show is there. It can evolve over time and with yeah. the host and the host brings something new. And I think that that's refreshing to see in this space because you don't see it yeah. often, right? Like, and, uh, you know, we've talked about this idea of going to different places mm -hmm. or different industries, right? To see what they're doing in, in their frameworks and their things. And a lot of creativity and inspiration can come from that. So I think that's yeah. that's great and it gives the freedom of a lot of people to maybe see their shows or their publishing platforms in a very different way, right? Like you, we're, yeah. uh, we love YouTube, so we consume a lot of YouTube content and I follow a few creators very closely. One of them is Eric and, and you know, one of the things that, that we've seen with him, he, he has been the one that has grown his channel from zero to one million. I think it was in less than a year, like subscribers, the wow. fastest. And I think they're on, on pace to do 10 million this year, which is crazy. Wow. Wow. And you see how they've how they've interacted, the type of collaborations that they do, like where is his audience, the team, like, you know, uh, grows. What is the trend? Like how, how do they integrate new characters like into their YouTube yeah. ecosystem, right? So how can people do that with their shows? How can people do that? We've seen it with people include producers. So it's like this third word, uh, third uh voice that comes out and they yeah. you know they share their opinions and then they go back into like the backstage so, <laughs> so the listener is like what who's this person and yeah. uh we're, we're starting to do that with with one particular customer show with with a producer on our team yeah so it's, it, it, it's it's so cool the, the more you get in it's so freeing too and exciting mm -hmm. <laughs> when you think about these shows and how much creativity yeah. we can add to it right like everybody was doing an interview a famous person type interview Um, before, but then 
the guy that started doing it while eating hot wings everybody <laughs> wanted to talk about that yeah. show because yeah. it was just it was a different hook it's like it's just it's an interview show but we're going to eat hot wings while i ask you questions that is <laughs> yeah. something that makes people want to talk about the show and i just think there are endless ways yeah. to do that um and i think drawing inspiration from youtubers i do the exact same thing um drawing inspiration from from hulu and netflix yes. and what those shows are doing and really trying to study and examine what's the premise of this series uh what's the structure of it uh, I, I, yeah, I, I am super I, nerdy about that kind of stuff. I love it. The, about the last six months. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna have to do a live stream just like judging this episode and be like, that could be a cool idea for this thing. And that's what we, I, I'm, I'm very curious on the, like bringing this into the B2B world, right? Like uh, with, with maybe uh, customers or, or the network or the people that you serve, right? Like, because we've mm -hmm. been in environments where, Obviously, you see the Beastars brand is very color energetic. You see the Legos in the back. You see the books like Fonzie. Yeah. Fonzie talks about Pokemon every episode, right? So obviously, you know, <laughs> no, I'm lying. Like he just mentioned it one episode, but it's fine. Uh, but you know, we we've we've dealt with big companies. Like we, our first ever client in Beastars was, or for Content Momentum, was a real estate company, two hundred two hundred million dollar company, and we yeah. came in through a relationship, right? But Obviously, our our brand might speak to somebody or our message or the way that we communicate, the way that we dress, right? Like, it might speak to somebody and then, but we can't serve with the product many others. So, mm. you guys, when you serve these companies or this, how do you, what's the evolution of that? I'm, I'm assuming, I'm, I might be wrong here, that that relationship starts from somebody that knows you guys, the brand, have been involved with maybe creating content together, but also engaging with you guys at some degree. And that relationship is a little bit there. But then how, when is it fully trust when you guys like, hey, we should do this with the show. This is the format. Or how does that relationship work? I'm very curious on the yeah. B2B world, right? Because you have different tastes. You have people that might be like very corporate and you have like my message is mm -hmm. the message and it has to be very stiff and X, Y, Z. And then you might have some yeah. people that really want to disrupt the space. So how do you guys deal with that? We're, we're trying to get better at that. I, I don't want to pretend like we've nailed it by any stretch of the imagination, but we're, we're trying to get more clarity on what are uh what are the who are the who are the customers for us that really get it and and want to they don't want to create commodity content they want to disrupt they want to own their category um and so we haven't done a great job of of isolating our marketing to only attract those type of companies mm -hmm. and it's caused a lot of tension on the team because you know especially in the last six eight six eight months we've been talking a lot about like you know, death to commodity content, let's be more creative, but we've got to uproot all of our existing systems that were yeah. kind of built to just churn out, you know, the same type of templates. Yeah. And so, um, and now that we're talking more about creative content, it's like, hey, some companies want that, some companies don't. And we're trying to figure out right now in our sales process, how do we weed out the kind of people yeah. that that don't want, they, they want commodity content. They're just trying to check a box to say, hey, we've 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 done the content thing. We have our podcast, uh, but they don't really care about creating somebody's favorite show. They just want a podcast because they see everybody else has one and they they want to do one. And uh, that that makes it sound like they're the bad guy. They're I mean, a lot of times yeah. marketers are stretched so thin because they're given crazy expectations from their boss, numbers they have to hit, and so 
they're they're stretched their teams are stretched incredibly thin which is yeah. why they hire us to to do their podcast because they just don't have the bandwidth to do it they're trying to hit all these uh all these different metrics um and and it keeps them from being able to put in the work to go what would be my market's favorite show Absolutely. and so there's tension on our team it's like we our I team wants yeah. to work with more customers that have that mindset and believe what we believe but we have a lot of other you know we've we've got a lot of other customers that don't necessarily buy into that and they're paying the bills right now too yeah. so it's uh it, what's the balance between we can't just fire you know 30 40 percent <laughs> of our customers because yeah. Uh, that's that's not going to work in a service business yeah. and so um so we're figuring that out i think it's a that's long cool. game play i think yeah. it's we're, we're building a community for b2b podcasters right now called mike club mm. and i we're going to invite yeah. our customers to it it's going to be we're going to invite external folks to it and i think that's going to cool. be a way for us to seed some of these ideas with our customers really getting them thinking about it the yeah. more the, the better we equip our producers with this with this with this kind of thinking too the, the producer is going to be able to have those conversations with the customer as well. So I think over the long haul, customers will either leave um, or or they'll adapt to like, no, we want to create our, our audience's favorite yeah. show yeah. Um, and, and we'll be a great partner for them at that point. So cool. again, I, I don't think it's a silver bullet. I think we've got to do a, a lot of things uh, better than we have in the past, better than I have in the past um, in order to, to make that happen. Yeah, but I, I think it goes back kind of for full circle here, right? talking about that positioning that we talked at the beginning is your consistency and your commitment to that message will do the weaving out of the clients that don't yeah. want that or is going to educate them and help them transition, right? It's yeah. going to make them believe on on that belief that you guys have, that yeah. you guys are, are putting out there into the world. So that's another point on why you need to make a stance, be committed to it and be consistent with it, right? So. I love that. That's absolutely amazing. By the way, we are getting here towards the end, which is very painful because I want this conversation to keep going for a very long. This so, hour went by so quick. Yeah, just gonna put that out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> James, we're gonna have to do a round two. Maybe since we're close to each other, we're gonna have to do a round two live instead of hot sauce. We can do our iPads. Hot sauce, hot, yes. <laughs> hot wings. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I love that. I'm down. I'm down. That sounds like a, like a great plan. Uh, yes. But James, be, before we head out, we have a, a few more questions. First, not yeah. a few, two more, two more, two more. That's a few. You try to sneak in another <laughs> one in there. See, I told, I told you at the beginning of the episode that Fonzie gets excited towards right. the end. <laughs> James, uh, what is an action point for somebody that's looking to become a thought leader in the marketplace? Right? How can they take the first step towards that? Yeah, I would say, um, ask yourself. I, you have to have a point of view. It, because if you don't have a point of view, you're just going to be feeding the noise. Um, but having a point of view, it's like, okay, how do I do that? Um, I would ask yourself one of three questions. I would say, what's a commonly held belief in my industry about whatever it is that I care about in the industry? Mm -hmm. What's a commonly held belief that I just passionately disagree with? And see if see what the answer is. Another question you can ask is, what's something that everybody in the industry Uh, needs to start doing today that they are not already doing or what's something that everybody in the industry needs to stop doing today that mm. they that they're currently doing but they should not be doing um, so I, I think when you when you look at folks like Chris Walker um, who's just done a masterful job of vilifying the MQL and vilifying attribution yeah. and um, 
he's he's got lots of points of view and because he's so brilliant he's coming up with new points of view all the time um and so i i think asking yourself those questions will start to get you to that point where you've got mm. a really strong point of view absolutely i love it as you're talking about it i'm like what is our point of view right my come the common enemy my brother no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a tough thing to do it's yeah. a tough thing to do because a lot of when we when we ask this question to a lot of people um we did a we did a something last year the year before last where we asked like 100 b2b marketers these questions mm. and people think that oh this commonly held belief that i passionately disagree with and you're like yeah but everybody already said that like it's not actually like everybody else thinks what you think yeah. and that's i think the problem when you're developing this pov it's like no do other people truly believe this thing that i'm that i'm gonna rail against like yeah. do they really believe it and you have to pressure test that you've got to have conversations you've mm. got to like because it because if you don't you wind up telling yourself oh i've got a strong pov but really i'm just saying every i'm saying the same stuff that everybody else is saying yeah absolutely and you mentioned their conversations and that is key a lot of people come up with their own personal point of view and they don't test it through conversations yeah. with other people right um yeah. comes same thing when you're building an offer right at the end of the day you need to test it out put it out into the world talk to people is this actually you know an offer that is going to solve your problems and is it going to be a good offer and the only way of knowing that is through conversations and i'm going to bring this back to identify it, name it, and claim it. I think that was absolutely yeah. genius. By the way, you can have those conversations in a podcast form and then leverage that podcast for everything else in your brand. Just saying, <laughs> just saying, just saying. Also, so next question uh, is gonna be, where would you be if you never published? Where would I be if I never published? Oh man, I think I would probably be doing something entrepreneurial. Um, the longer I do this, the more I realize like I'm, I'm unemployable. Like I can't <laughs> go work for somebody else. Um, it would probably be in the nonprofit sphere. Like I'm a, I'm a Christ follower and super passionate about my faith. And so, um, am now really passionate about foster care and, and what can the church do to step into that problem? And, and um and and create safe um hopefully gospel-centered you know uh homes for kids in the foster care system so i don't know if that's where i would necessarily be if i hadn't hit publish but uh, it would probably be somewhere in that sphere yeah awesome i, I love your uh, entrepreneurial spirit and also wanting to give back and help others so thank you for that man yeah james this has been awesome. so 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 amazing uh It's, it's been an awesome interview. I yeah. think we, we, we killed it. No, I'm kidding. I just want to say thank you for your honesty, man. Like you yeah. were so transparent with mm -hmm. everything happening and the publishing and what you guys are trying, uh, you know, behind doors in Sweet Fish Media. And I think it's going to be very exciting to see the next few months of what you guys do. I'm very excited because uh, we, we truly believe that content and the way that you guys do it is the way we kind of discovered it we stumbled upon it and we're like oh that's one of piece of feedback that it worked and we're like can we do that again right um and it has been a huge and, and we don't feel alone anymore uh we felt alone on this path for a long time so it was awesome to connect with you and and uh Danches. <laughs> yeah um so it, it's so awesome to see and obviously we're gonna eat that episode soon but for those that are interested in in, in you and your journey in sweet fish media what you guys do where can people find you 
Yeah. So LinkedIn, very active there. C-A-R-B-A-R-Y is my last name, James Carberry. Um, and then my email is james at sweetfishmedia.com. So if anybody listening wants to connect, uh, my, my uh, inbox is, it's kind of a hot mess. So it may take me a little bit to get back to you, but, uh, but that's my email. Yeah, you have a, a month of sabbatical there <laughs> to, to, to check on your email. <laughs> Um, I just deleted all those. Yeah, like, done. Like, this didn't exist. Yeah. That, that explains yeah. what I didn't get an answer. No, okay. um, James, anything else you want to add before we head out? No, man. This was this was a great interview. Mm -hmm. I just want to commend you guys. I, I do a lot of these interviews, and I guess a lot is is relative, right? But um, you, the the passion you guys have, the curiosity that you guys bake into the show. Um, it's very not commodity. You're not just reading questions off a script. You're engaging with the guest uh, in a way that makes me feel super comfortable and I think ends up creating much better content for your for your listeners. So I just commend you guys. Um, the energy you bring, the the intro, the I mean, it's just a very fun vibe. And I think that's uh, that's going to that's going to be a huge part of why you guys end up growing. Uh, thank, thank you, man. man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, the, the Daniel, this is the testimonial that we're looking for for like three months. Just like. uh, James, it has been a pleasure. You have a home here in Jacksonville, yeah. Florida. So if you come up here, uh, you know, send us a quick message and we'll we'll grab a coffee or whatever you drink. LaCroix. <laughs> uh, LaCroix. Yeah, LaCroix. Fancy. anything else you want to add? Me, let, me know when we're, let me know when we're doing a rapist in, in Orlando and I'll be there. Oh, yeah. Let's we'll go. let you know for sure. Man. Thank you so much. And. All right, nope. later, fellas. Nothing to add in here. Just grateful for you, man. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. With that All said, right. guys, thank you so much for tuning to the Contest Profit Podcast. Go ahead and follow the show in your favorite social media channel and at Base Bros Go. That is right. And if James here help you move one step closer towards your goal, please don't forget to share this episode and, and leave a five-star review. See ya. Bye, guys.